You're listening to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. Welcome to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. Our podcast exists to equip leaders and everyday Christians to host God's presence because we believe God's presence changes everything. I'm your host, Matthew Lilly. This is episode number two. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and uh, share this with your friends if you enjoy it. You can subscribe and uh, find any previous episodes and new episodes at our website at presencepioneers.org. Today is episode two, and this is the Heart of a Presence Pioneer, part two. So last week we did the Heart of a Presence Pioneer, part one, and this week is part two. Quickly to review last week, in case you haven't heard that episode, we talked about the story behind the Presence Pioneer's ministry, and how God highlighted Psalm 132, 133, and 134 as the basis for that ministry. God said, Presence Pioneers are those with Psalm 132 in their hearts. God told us to gather those with Psalm 132 in their hearts in Psalm 133 unity to see Psalm 134, which is day and night prayer. So last week I started diving into Psalm 132. What is that presence pioneer heart of Psalm 132? And we just got to verse 1 before we even got to the rest of the chapter, but we got that far. So David desired God's presence in Israel, but he first he desired it in his own heart and his own life to prioritize God's presence and ministry to the Lord in his own life. Uh, but that passion and that zeal for God's presence brought affliction. It brought reproach. And so that's why the first verse of Psalm 132 is, uh, O Lord, remember David and his afflictions. And so then we talked about the zeal of Jesus and how David's passion and his zeal for the house of God was not his own, but it was actually Jesus' zeal and God's desire inside of him. And so that, that was the, the secret to burning for God for decades was not our own passion, but the passion of God in us, the zeal of God in us, causing us to be zealous for God and his presence and his kingdom. And so presence pioneers then are those who connected to God's heart and felt his passion. We begin to desire what God desires. We long for what he longs for. And then that passion for his house, for his presence, for his church, for his kingdom, that becomes our passion. And so God's longing for his dwelling place on earth, for his kingdom on the earth, it becomes our longing. So that's what we talked about a little bit last week, and I want to continue in Psalm 132. I believe this is going to resonate with a lot of you who are presence pioneers, who are longing to see your cities and nations transformed by the presence of God. And even those of you who maybe aren't leaders, but you just say, I want God's presence in my life, in my family, in, in my circle of influence. Um, this is going to encourage and inspire you as well. So we're going to continue to read Psalm 132. I'm going to read a few verses here. O Lord, remember David and all his afflictions. Verse 2, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place 
for the mighty one of Jacob. And skip down to verse 8. Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Let your priest be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. Then down to verse 13. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. So in this chapter, Psalm 132, David has a vision. And again, this chapter is not written by David. It's written by someone who witnessed David, his afflictions, and his vow, and his vision. So someone that was close to David that understood this. David had a vision and he made a vow. It was a vision and a vow. He had a vision for something and it caused him to make a vow before the Lord to see that vision come to pass. So what is the vision? The vision was for a dwelling place of God's presence, a resting place of God's presence. He uses those two terms, dwelling place and resting place. And it's the same thing, but the fact that both terms are used gives us insight into, into different things. So we're going to talk about both of them. The dwelling place, this is God's presence, his manifest presence. David longed for the glory and the presence of God to be among his people. And so I want to talk briefly about God's presence because we need to understand there's different realities to God's presence. God is omnipresent. So God is everywhere. We understand this, right? There's nowhere that's, that you can hide from God. There's nowhere you can disconnect. There's nothing hidden from him. God is, is in, in a very real sense, permeating everything. Okay. So Psalm 139 talks about that. It says God's presence. If I go to the heights or to the depths, anywhere I go, God, you're there. And so God is everywhere. We know God is omnipresent, but we, we don't sense his presence everywhere. There's, there's not an awareness or a manifestation of his presence everywhere. So when we talk about God's presence or the Bible talks about God's presence, usually it's referring to what I call God's manifest presence. And so this is what we mean when he makes his omnipresence known in a particular place, his manifest presence. So Jesus talked about this. You probably remember the verse, Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. So Jesus was saying, when you gather together in my name to encounter me, that I'm going to manifest my presence in a particular way. I'm there in the midst of you, in the midst of you. So this was Jesus talking about his manifest presence. So God's everywhere, yes, but when you gather, I'm going to be there in a particular way in the midst of you. That in the midst is a manifestation of God's presence. And that was David's vision. It was for God's manifest presence to fill his nation, to fill his city, to, that Jerusalem, that Israel would be filled with God's glory, a sense of his nearness, his power, and his presence. This was his longing. Uh, and so as presence pioneers, we long to see God's glory and his presence in a particular place. This is geographic. David, David's vision was Jerusalem, right? Verses, verses 13, the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. So David wasn't just, it wasn't an ethereal thing. It wasn't an internal thing. It was, I want your presence, God, right here in this area, this geographic area that your glory and your power and your presence would be manifest. So for you, this might be your home, might be your workplace or your church or your city or your nation, but we all should want to encounter the glory of God 
in his presence and see his manifest presence resting among us where we are. So as Christians, of course, we all know we have God in us. When we, when we come to Christ, God gives us his Holy Spirit and we have access by the blood of Jesus to his presence and his power everywhere we go. And he's, he's in us. We have a connection to him. We don't come in and out of that, uh, that access to the presence of God. By the, it's by the blood of Jesus. Okay, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about our internal connection to God, although that's amazing and that's super important. God's presence dwells in us and that's wild. And so we love that. But David wasn't talking about his personal breakthrough here. In Psalm 132, this is not about David's heart. Now you look at other verses like Psalm 27, 4, that was David's personal longing to be in God's presence. But Psalm 132 is about something bigger. This is about his longing to see his his city and his nation come under the weight of the glory and the presence of God. He was wanting something that was corporate. He was longing for collective breakthrough and revival in his region. And so this is different. And we can't write off this longing and desire for this and say, oh, well, I already have God's presence. I already have God's spirit. It's already in me. Yes, that's true. But God wants to expand our vision and we look and we look at our city and our nation and our and the nations of the earth and we go, God, we need your presence. We need your corporate collective manifest presence and glory among us in our midst, not just in us, but among us. And uh, what does it look like for God's glory to rest in a place that's real? Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, I will be there in the midst of them, not just inside their hearts, but among them in the midst of them. When you read about historic revivals like what happened in Wales in the early 1900s, God's presence would be manifest in an entire city. People would literally come into a place, drive into a city, walk into a city, and they would encounter God just by being in a particular geography because God was moving in such a powerful way that he was manifesting himself in a region and people came into that region and they would encounter God's presence. That, you know, I've heard people driving by churches and they and the presence of God touches them where, where there's meetings at churches and God's glory is just emanating out of that, that gathering. People are literally touched by just coming in the proximity of the presence of God. Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, Becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast 
and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. Man, let's get that vision in our heart that God's glory and His presence could rest among us. What would it look like for a city to be filled with the glory of God that everywhere you go, you have to encounter God because His presence and His glory rest there? What would it look like for a nation to experience the manifest presence of God to become a dwelling place for His presence? That was David's vision, and that's the dream of a presence pioneer, the heart of a presence pioneer. is God, thank you, but what I'm experiencing in my heart by the blood of Jesus, by salvation, what I'm experiencing internally, I want the world to know. I want my city to feel it. I want my church to feel it. I want the world to experience your presence and glory as well. That was David's dream. That was his vision, a dwelling place for God's presence. But he also uses this term, resting place. So, so they're interchangeable in some ways. They, they, it's not something totally different. But the phrase resting place gives us some unique insight. What does it mean that God's presence would rest? What does it mean that God's presence would rest in a place? So obviously, when you think about rest in the Bible, you think about the seventh day of creation. You think about Sabbath. So God created the world, and then on the seventh day, He rested. Now, God, when He rests, it's not that He gets tired. He doesn't need to be refreshed. He doesn't get weary God never gets tired. He never gets weary. He doesn't need refreshing like we do. So when God rests, what does it mean? God's resting on the seventh day of creation was completion. It meant that the world was created and it was exactly right. His will was done and his kingdom had come on the earth. So on the seventh day, it was perfect. It was exactly how God wanted it. There was no tension, no struggle, no warfare, no fight, no challenge. It it was just right the way God wanted it. And so there was rest, right? The world was a resting place for God's presence. And he literally rested in the, in, in the completion of his work. Now, sin has come into the world now through the fall. There's unrest in the earth. Uh, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of God, they're colliding together. There's a battle. God's will is not perfectly done on the earth, right? Which is why Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth. Because now there's there's things that aren't right on, on the earth. There's things that uh, are, are contrary to the kingdom and the will of God. So what you could say then is God's resting place is his kingdom come. When God rests in a place... It means that it's a place where everything is submitted to him. In God's resting place, he has dominion. His will is done. It's not just a place of his presence and power. It's a place where he rules and reigns over everything. God's resting place means he comes into a place and everything is exactly how he wants it. So God can rest. He he doesn't have to do anything because everything is exactly the way it should be. If there's a place where there's contention, where there's demonic activity, where there's darkness, where there's sin, God is not resting in that place because he's warring against the the evil. But when there's a place where God's will is done, where there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, it's the kingdom of God. God rests in that place. 
So David's vision is for a resting place, not just a dwelling place of God's presence and power and glory, but a place where God's will is done. His vision is that, and that the entire group of people in a geography would come under the leadership of Jesus, that God would reign and rule and that his will would be done among the people perfectly. Not just that people would feel his presence and enjoy God, which is, which is great and amazing, but that everything would be submitted to him, that everyone would say yes. He would have lordship over a region and over a group of people. What a radical vision. Not just a dwelling place, but a resting place where God can come into a city and rest because everything is exactly the way it should be. God's kingdom has come and His will be done. So we're not just longing for God's presence and His power among us, but we're longing to see His rule and His reign, to see His actual kingdom come and His will done among us as well. Okay, so David has this amazing vision in his heart for a dwelling place, a resting place of God's presence, and it causes him to make a radical vow before God. Right? He says, Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house, this is verse 3, or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. So, Whoever's writing this psalm records David's radical vow. David makes this overcommitment, and he's just just so engrossed by this vision. He says, God, whatever it takes to see that, to see you come into my city and into my nation, I'm not even going to sleep until this happens. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. He overstates it, right? It's impossible. He has to sleep. You have to sleep. We have physical limitations. In fact, <clears throat> excuse me, David even says in Psalm 127 that God gives his beloved sleep. So David understood the value of sleep and that we need sleep. But the point is, David was going to allow this vision of a dwelling place of God's presence to interrupt the normal rhythms and conveniences of life. He was saying, God, come and interrupt my normal life, even my sleep. Because your presence is the priority. It's worth it, God. Come and get in the the normalness of my life, the normal rhythms of life, and I will sacrifice in order to see my city, in order to see my church, in order to see my workplace, in order to see my family, in order to see my nation filled with your presence, oh God. He said he there's this word in verse five. He says, until until I find a place for the Lord. David had this until in his heart. He was saying, I'm going to lock in to this vision and I'm going to do whatever it takes until, until he, I don't know how long, I don't know what the cost will be. I don't know the journey will look like, but I'm locking in until this is the heart of a presence pioneer. God, I'm going to do what it takes until your presence comes until your glory comes, until revival comes, until there's transformation in my city. I'm locking in until this is a marathon. God, I'm locked in. We fix our, we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and we press on. And we press on to see the prize, to see the kingdom come. David was saying he'd do anything to see God's presence among his people. And this zeal, this until that was in David's heart was actually in Jesus's heart. It was in the heart of God. Like we talked about last week, David was was getting this until that was actually God's passion. It was actually God's zeal and God's promise and his faithfulness to 
cause his kingdom to come to the earth. The idea of God's presence and resting and dwelling on the earth among us is not our idea or David's idea. It's God's idea. This is what he wants to do. So David, he was making this radical statement. He couldn't even complete his vow, but he made it. And he knew that in his own strength, his ability to fulfill this vow was limited. But uh, I want to tell you today, there was one who made a vow and kept his vow, and his name is Jesus. Jesus was sinless, unlike David and unlike us. And Jesus is the one that actually made a vow uh, to see Psalm 132 come to pass. Jesus is the one that that said, yes, he said, until I'm going to do whatever it takes, Father, to see my presence among my people again, to see this connection restored, to see the earth restored. Jesus said, I'll do whatever it takes. And it took him to the cross. He died, he rose again, and he's reconciling all things unto himself so that the nations again will be priests and kings to God, so that the earth will become a resting place and a dwelling place for his presence again. Jesus had that vision in his heart and he made a vow that took him to the cross and uh, and uh, ultimately brought him up from the grave. And so when we connect to that, Jesus's passion, we, we, we're stirred in our own hearts to make a vow. And so I, I would encourage you, even if you are listening to this episode today, just, just lock in with the Lord and say, God, I want to make a vow before you. God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, interrupt the normal rhythms and conveniences of my life. Break in to the mundane and business as usual because God, we have to have your presence. God, connect me to your vision. God, so that I will do whatever it takes. And give whatever it takes to see your kingdom come and your will done on the earth as it is in heaven. That's the heart of a presence pioneer. And I pray today that even as you listen, there would be a yes in your heart to just respond like David did in a radical way. To see God's presence in your city, in your nation, in your home, in your workplace. So thank you so much for for tuning in to the podcast episode today. Uh, If you were encouraged by this or enjoyed it, please share it. Uh, Maybe an email or social media post would be great. Uh, And as always, you can subscribe to the podcast and find previous episodes on our website at presencepioneers.org. You can subscribe there to get email updates, connect to the podcast on iTunes, YouTube, and the other options there are. Thanks again. God bless.